no-highlight2956 says, I've kept something secret. My older sister stole my brother's motorcycle and sold it over 40 years ago. <gasps> I never told my brother because I was afraid of my sister. She's mm -hmm. a psychopath. She admitted to me that she believes she is. Now we are getting ready to settle our parents' estate, and I believe my brother needs to know how evil she is. Should mm. I tell him? Whew. Wow. Wow. 40 years wow. of history to this one. 40 years ago, that motorcycle was stolen. Do you just forgive and forget that? Mm. You know, are you a different person? If, if, uh, is it like uh, Theseus's ship where all the pieces of you have been replaced? Every seven years, if all the cells in your body, all the atoms have, have been transferred through? No, because the neurons, I think, always stay. So the brain, <laughs> the mind of the person who did that is still the same. Is character the same? Well, I don't think you can forgive and forget if you don't know. <laughs> if you never knew that it happened. Like, mm -hmm. how, how, can, how can that person uh, really truthfully know their siblings when they're they're missing a piece of information they've been missing a piece for that long i mean I, I i certainly understand the temptation at this point given that so much time has passed to just be like all right well let the bygones be the bygones but especially since this task ahead of them of dividing up their parents estate is uh re like related to who gets what i feel like this is kind of the perfect time to tell them and then maybe allow that to get evened out. Right. A motorcycle's worth of extra estate can go to your brother out of your sister's share. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the fairest thing. Yeah. Um, not even counting interest in how much better a motorcycle right. would be to a young person probably than somebody 40 years later. Yeah. Okay. So the fear is the sister might retaliate. Mm, right? Mm -hmm. Right. She said she's Sister afraid. might take something. <clears throat> Sister is a self-admitted psychopath. Doesn't yeah. feel empathy or remorse. Yeah. <sighs> Scary. Yeah, that's a tough one. Well, how can the sister take advantage, do you think, of the estate settling? Like, ask for something to be in her name that she promises to give to the brother later? Hmm. Yeah, it could be. I w I'll, I'll just trust that uh, the asker knows of a situation that makes this important if they're asking. Like, it, it seems like relevant information to give to the brother. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, so I have had the experience with my siblings who are uh, mm -hmm. half siblings that are older than me, like 17 and 20 years older than me. Um, when my dad and my mom that that is not their biological mother uh downsized several years ago we had to go through all of the stuff that they weren't taking with them and split it up among us so they they weren't they hadn't passed or anything um but it was still it was a really arduous task and i could imagine that if you were had to do that with people that you didn't feel like you could trust or you didn't have all the information on them that you mm -hmm. needed, that that would be scary. I mean, you know, if one of my siblings was uh, a self-described 
psychopath, I think you'd have to be a lot more vigilant about like how that process is is going down from from how it's being organized in logistics to right. um, how it's actually being carried out, who gets what, and how do we make sure that it's somewhat equitable and that that people sort of get the things that they actually want, either because they're significant to them or because they're of value. And I think what we did was we had a, my sister, non, a, non, a very organized non-psychopath, um, mm-hmm. had photographed, everything was photographed and put on uh, an online album on Facebook. And we, I think she created a spreadsheet even. And, you know, we each kind of went through and decided independently, like what were the things that we individually liked? And then the things that were uh, multiple people wanted, we had a system of like, each of us got a pick and we got to, uh, you know, go in order. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was stressful and exhausting without any issues like secrets and, uh, you know, psychopathy. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. So I think tell the brother what happened, um, and explain why you were afraid, uh, to tell him in the past. Yeah. Um, some threat of important. retribution. And I think you can ask, uh, the brother not to reveal that he knows this if, there's still that threat. Um, it's just better for him to know. And you guys have kind of a, a 2v1. And he has all the information. Isn't trusting her over you. Um, it may be tempting for him to confront her about this or to try and settle that score. But if you uh, feel like you're threatened by, the, by your sister still, um, or she might do something criminal, something vengeful... Uh, to strike back at you for revealing that, then you could ask for secrecy. I would imagine that ha- since 40 years have passed and 40 years, the sister is, doesn't have that much empathy, doesn't have remorse. Probably it wouldn't be, I mean, I have no clue. I don't know you guys. I don't know your relationships. Um, but my, my thought is that probably at this point to her, it's maybe a non-issue. Um, but if that fear uh, you know, is still alive for you. It may not be. Maybe you were afear- afraid at the time, forty years ago, and I'm sure a lot's changed. Um, I think that is a an evaluation that that is going to dictate how to handle this. Is like, what is your active concern about, uh, you know, rupturing a relationship with her or your brother in this moment, going into this estate division, um. And again, just knowing that it's an exhausting uh, experience, I think maybe carve out as much time as you can and take things a little at a time, uh, especially mm-hmm. when when you're dealing with things that are emotionally heavy. Like I, I, I am assuming potentially the parents have your parents have passed, and so each item to go through carries a lot potentially of, of weight in terms of the memories that it has associated with it. Um, and the, you know, just the, the, the value or the significance in your life. And each of you will have very different, um, associations with different objects and, and different parents. And I think it's really important, especially, uh, for you and your brother to be mindful of just 
how intense that process already is. And I don't know to what yeah. extent your sister is going to be able to, um, you know, engage in it emotionally the same way, but trying to start out with, you know, okay, we're all on the same team here. We just, we want to get through this and we want to do it with as little strife as, and conflict as possible. Let's try to be on each other's team as much as we can and start out with a uh, foundation of honesty. So do you re- recommend talking about the motorcycle in front of the sister? Again, I think it depends on uh, their, what what is their relationship now, you know, and what is the relationship with the brother now? Um, mm-hmm. If if nobody's I think telling them in private. Yeah, I think if nobody's really super close, even if there isn't fear, active fear, then it might mm-hmm. be better to just, yeah, do it to do it separately. Um, I think that's probably a safer bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for this question. No highlight. Let's start our show. Let's do it. Free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Forever. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. We are the Free Advice Podcast hosts. I'm Rob Zaleski, and that over there... Over here is Morgan Beard. Is. <laughs> yes. Over here in a this totally episode, different room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, COVID times. Yeah. Well, um, well, go ahead. You can cut this if you don't want to reveal it, but sometimes we okay. get together in person. But today we are Sometimes. not because I woke up with a scratchy throat and I was really sad about that because it's fun when we can record in person. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously if there's any kind of like health threat, we don't. And I think it's just dry air and lots of air conditioning, but you know, better to be safe than sorry. Everybody, I think this year has got to be just ready for a last minute cancellation because Somebody has even the tiniest sniffles. I think it's yeah. just uh, the way of the 2020 coronavirus season is like, okay, all, all plans are tentative. Yeah. And I think, too, that like... If they're indoors, especially. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I think that that should be more of the culture. I know you said this in the past, like wishing that was more of the social norm to feel not weird about backing out of something because you're not feeling well. Um, I mean, I remember like as a kid in school, even if I was feeling sick, I always felt like, oh my God, like, or, or at work, you know, when I was older, like I have so much to do. I can't miss school or I can't miss work. Um, and just feeling that pressure to go in no matter what and get stuff done no matter what and never rest or take it easy. And I think that that is just so, uh, backwards, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I hope that that the COVID era at least leaves us slightly with a remnant of like being able to take health concerns more seriously and really take time we need to recover. Sometimes, though, you're part of a team that's planned something and really yeah. everybody has to be there for it to work. Like, yeah, I was in like a play and I was like, there's 10 people in this play. <laughs> we all got to be here each night. That there's a performance scheduled. Some of these are months in advance. Yeah. What are the odds that somebody maybe gets sick or something happens that prevents somebody from coming? Um, but we all did it. It just it it happened, and 
if you have kind of if you're nauseated or if you're whatever it is i think you just show up and do it anyway and that's the only way for it to work well sometimes you can't i mean depending on how physical it is like depending on how shitty you're feeling and and how physical the the task is like sometimes you just can't or you know you're like you're like well i would come if i could get more than a yard away from the toilet without throwing up or shitting everywhere. That's not what's happening to me right now, but right. <laughs> just saying that's, that's been a really rare occasion in my life. Same. Um, and I think somewhat under my control, it was probably alcohol related. If I was really throwing uh, up a lot, you could have I've, I've had like a stomach flu poisoning. a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't happened much. And then it's like, well then eat safer foods, you know, don't go to, <laughs> crazy uh, food left on the counter Mexican joint at 3 a.m. and eat a bunch of that instead like pick up some grocery store stuff and just eat that right before well when I've gotten violent food poisoning it's always been traveling it's always been like abroad it's like you know I ate some weird pastry on a Chinese airline (laughs) and now I'm in bed for a day (laughs) Mm. damn yeah, I know, dude. Oh, they were so they tasted so good going in and then not such a good thing. How did they taste coming out? Um, well I didn't taste I I guess I was shitting, <laughs> so I wasn't tasting it. <laughs> sure. So how did it how did it taste coming out the other end? <laughs> I I didn't put my nose and mouth near my shit. I this uh, was in okay. high school, so I, I can't really remember. But I had God, I also got food poisoning up. when I was studying abroad uh on a trip to Istanbul. That I had just eaten yeah. a veggie kebab. It seemed super safe. Just vegetables, maybe cheese. I don't know. Um, violently ill. That was like, couldn't leave the hostel. We had to check out. And I was like, well, I can't. <laughs> can't oh, check no. out. <laughs> uh, they can happen again. And, another night. Yeah, I think it happened to me in Peru. I guess like, I probably get sick ever ago. a food that you associate with getting sick from it? And then you've reintroduced it yes. back into your yes what was the food okay and, and what was that first time back like <laughs> so, um i don't know about first time back but pad thai i okay. eat pad thai fairly frequently however good. the last time i ate pad thai i got sick oh, no. and i got sick one other time from pad thai in college and so it's just been these like sporadic times where pad thai has made me like very sick but what i did was just kind of go off of it for a little while like thai is not calling out to me at all as a cuisine right now because the Mm -hmm. last time i had it i got sick but i'm i'm sure in a couple months i'll be like oh my god i could really go for some pad cu right now (laughs) like some red curry and i'll be fine different from thai it is it is but like i think that the radius of closeness to the offending food just gets smaller and smaller until you're like okay i can just have it again you know uh, i get it get pad thai <laughs> with a different meat on top get it from a different restaurant next time and right but right I now see. it's like i don't Until even want thai food in. at all <laughs> okay you tiptoe back to pad thai yeah tiptoe yep well i have some advice that i'd like to ask you for fuck yeah lay it on me and it's culinary um it's culinary i got okay. some live herbs i got oh. a live herb potted plant uh, it says it's got six gourmet herbs in there, including shit like uh, marjoram and lemon thyme, but mm. I can't identify those. Pretty much I've got a lot <laughs> of mint because them. mint, mint is, yeah, I, I think it's all a lot of mint and then there's definitely rosemary, which I love just to 
to sprinkle on myself or get some of <laughs> juice. And, <laughs> sprinkle really, on yourself? I, well, just break a piece of rosemary and rub it on your skin and then smell that patch of skin. It's oh, just, I got I you. Love it. I got you. Yeah. Um, I thought I was like you seasoning yourself to eat. <laughs> what can I mint up? I've got spear and peppermint. Okay. I don't know when to use which. Mm. Um, I feel like most food uses spearmint instead of uh, peppermint. But um, yeah, uh, what can I add some mint to or even fresh rosemary? I've only ever really used dry rosemary from a, a little glass bottle and... Uh, what can I make more interesting with my live spices that I can pluck right off of the plant and plop onto the plate? Okay. So as far as the mints, I would say just go with your gut as far as differentiating peppermint and spearmint. What in my drink? I was about to say, okay, I was about to say I'll tell lemonade. you what I did. Oh, well. I took a sprig of. <laughs> <laughs> can you give me your advice? Actually, I'm just going to tell you how what I did. You, how about you shut the fuck up trying to answer the question that I'm asking myself? <laughs> I took a sprig of spearmint and I put it right into the mouth and into the the can cap, the can, what do you call that? The little thing you can put on your thumb and flick, the the opener of the yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you put it in your LaCroix? Can latch. <laughs> on, on the top of the LaCroix, so it's all yeah. over your nose and upper lip when you're taking sips of the pure LaCroix. Amazing. Bubbly and minty. Yeah. Okay, now what were you going to say? So I was going to say lemonade with mint, with a little mint. Oh, Something yeah. Like you know that? where they do that? Tender greens. Mm. Used to. I don't know if they do anymore, but yeah. just that little addition makes it so much more sophisticated. Yes. So, yeah, you can do like a little cocktail. Makes it very refreshing. The other thing I would recommend for mint uh, is you could do a uh, watermelon and feta salad with mint. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of uh, balsamic sprinkled on there. So good. Mm. Yeah. So cool. good. Thank you. Oh my God. You're so welcome. Um, cucumber. You can also put in there. Um, oh. mm-hmm. what I've been experimenting with Persian cucumbers or do you think English hothouse grown <laughs> or just standard? <laughs> I, is, I don't think it matters. This is some unsolicited <laughs> advice. The premium cucumbers are worth it. They're not that much more. And you're like, wow, this is a whole nother level of cuke. I totally disagree. You, I think all cucumbers okay. are so similar. No. It's it's pretty different Persian cucumber. It's crisper than the uh, standard ass. An English hothouse is good too. Plus, you get to peel that plastic wrap that they put on it. I like that. <laughs> I guess I meant like my opinion. Like for me personally, I don't really differentiate between cucumbers and different uses. Someday when this coronavirus thing is over, I'm going to have a cucumber party, blind cucumber test party, <laughs> and. <laughs> People are going to be suspicious. <laughs> you're going to be like, why do you need to put the blindfold out and make us open our mouths? And, <laughs> and you're going to put like, something cucumber-like in them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to microwave all the cucumbers. So, <laughs> so they're skin temperature. So they're about body temperature. <laughs> yeah. Just so that there's not any um, bias. <laughs> Give me your fair shake. <laughs> No uh, bias, <laughs> right, right. No chewing allowed. Make sure you really give them a good shake. <laughs> yeah. Touch the balls. I mean kiwis. <laughs> Why would there be kiwis? Because that's the thing that would be like the most like hairy balls. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to reveal my ball size on air, but those are some big balls. <laughs> kiwis. Yeah. 
I guess so. I mean, like, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Maybe there's some kind of mini Kiwi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, those coronavirus fruits. What are those called? The one, there's the dragon fruit. You, no, it's not a dragon fruit. It's smaller than that. It's like a, a lychee. Oh, I don't know. I don't know of this. L y c h e e. I think. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, heard they've of got lychee. all the hooks. They're like red, and they look like they just have a, a nasty, wiry, pubic, uh, barbed wire forest on them mm. of, of like blackish hooks. And then you peel them off, and there's a cream white colored little jelly um, surrounding a pit. That uh, uh, that does not sound appetizing. It's at like all. an eyeball. It's like an eyeball in there. Yeah, it doesn't sound. It's good. pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. That's cool. Um, so but that's real quick, my nomination. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, real quick, I want to tell you about the rosemary, and then I want to get into the questions that are not okay. from us. Um, but if you think of any other ball like um, <laughs> fruits, please write us at podcast at gmail I just want to say also, I'm really disappointed, guys, that we haven't gotten any nudes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So rosemary, I recently did. Uh, I made a steak and I think I used rosemary and like lemon or something there. Lemon on the steak? Did I? Maybe not. No, I put that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The potatoes. I did lemon and rosemary. The steak Mm. was just salt and pepper. You know what I do to a steak? What? Sometimes I slice strawberries on it real thin. Shut the front door. I know. It's wild. I do. I, I put the strawberries in the pan, too, and then I put them on top, and they're kind of browned, and it's delicious. Wow. Strawberry steak. Think about it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I've now thought okay, about it. Okay, thanks. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep experimenting with the rosemary, places you don't even think it belongs. <laughs> like on cucumbers. <laughs> like on cucumbers, sure. Um, Mint definitely belongs there. Yeah. All right. So we did get <laughs> two responses. <laughs> Oh yeah, what do we get? What from did they, last what week. people from last week say? All right, Give me so a quick refresher on the yeah. questions. Too, so I don't remember everybody. Peachy Melon, who yeah, we Peachy answered. What? Yeah, we answered their question first, and she was saying that uh, she was having sex with someone who she really liked, but was wondering mm. on how to improve the sex. And she mm-hmm. just said, "Really enjoyed your podcast. Thanks for the advice as well. Helped. Oh, good. Hell yeah." I am uh, always excited to hear when someone has listened and, you know, especially if we help them out because, you know, we like mm-hmm. we still like to hear that stuff. You know, we're very grounded about our advice giving. <laughs> we need to know. We need mm-hmm. to hear from the people. Um, so hearing from the people, <laughs> the person who uh, the throwaway account that posted the question titled Bad Idea about uh, posting nudes on Reddit. Mm-hmm said fuck off (laughs) okay so uh yep (laughs) i i theorize that person might be in an emotionally volatile moment and lashing out at us and uh we don't have to we don't have to let that we don't have to internalize that criticism we don't actually have to fuck off Let's uh, yeah. go about our merry way. I mean, I don't even really know that I would interpret it as like criticism because it just kind of seems like they were like, I don't want to know what you have to say at all rather than I heard what you said and fuck you, you know? Do you think because of because it's coming at them in a podcast? I don't format? know. I don't know what the, the fucking off 
issue is like if it's like because they asked a question maybe they should fuck off (laughs) yeah like fuck off take your nudes somewhere else now um yeah no i mean my suspicion is maybe that they think that we were not serious that because so what i wrote oh we're we right we're very serious what we what we write when we tell someone that we featured their question on the podcast is you know hey my co-host and i selected your question answer on the podcast free advice we tell them the time code and would love for you to check it out and we send them the link. Um, so it could be that they feel like it wasn't genuine or something, that maybe we were trolling mm. them. Um, because it also, their question was sensitive, you know, it was about feeling uh, that they wanted to make sure that their private material remained private. So maybe maybe that's it too. Maybe they're like, why would you why would you read that question on a podcast? Okay. <laughs> but I mean they're anonymous anyway. I mean they use a throwaway account and it's gone now. So I um anyway I wish that person the best and I enjoyed answering the question. So you know, no loss here. But mm-hmm. uh, let's yeah. wait for more negative feedback before we change <laughs> anything about our question selection process. <laughs> Yes, if you have anything negative to say, please let us know. We want to know the negative one or the positive. We want to know mm-hmm. the nitty and the gritty, all the shit. I'm compelled to answer more questions about nudes now to see if <laughs> that's a universal reaction to get to answering those questions. <gasps> yeah, we can start collecting data specifically on that. Mm-hmm. So what kind of questions we got today, Rob? All right. We got one here. Okay. That's uh, from MDLI girl. Ooh. Mdly girl. Mdly girl. <laughs> girl asks, I'm a female that matched with a male on Bumble. Awesome. We both matched, meaning we both liked each other, but the time ran out for a response. Would it be weird to DM him through his Instagram? I feel like it is a very male thing to do, but kind of want to break the standards. Or does this make me look bad? Break those standards, Midley girl, MDLI girl. You're on Bumble. Yeah. You have permit. He's on Bumble. You guys both have expressed by being on that platform that the old way of guys pursuing girls and making the first move is stupid. So you go keep running with that spirit, especially with somebody that you met on Bumble. DM him. Get in there. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the other thing to say, too, is that just a little bit of background on how Bumble works for those of you who may not know. Um, Basically, the premise of Bumble is that women message first, and they have 24 hours to do so once you get a match. So you you get a message that, okay, you and this other person both mutually liked each other, and then you have Mm -hmm. 24 hours as the female to uh, initiate a conversation. During this window, they cannot do anything. They can't initiate a conversation at all. So if Mm -hmm. you are the female in this situation, you guys matched and then the 24 hours ran out, that's it. You know, you don't know if he would have sent a message. Like sometimes, um, you know, I'll match with someone and then decide, oh, you know what? I looked back at their profile and I'm actually not that interested. So I won't send a first message. If he were then to DM me, it's a little bit of a different dynamic because theoretically I've allowed that window to pass on purpose. But for you as the woman, and you wanted to initiate a conversation, but you accidentally let the let the window pass, you don't know what he would have done in that period of time. I think yeah. 100% go for it. 100% go, go for, for it. it. 
The standards yeah. are just old news, old bullshit, traditional people. We don't we don't need that shit. Guys like forward girls, and if they don't, then they're not the guy for you. And that's if that's the girl that you want to be. I mean, I'm I'm very open. I'm very forward. I just say what's on my mind, and if you're not down with that, okay, bye. Like <laughs> we're not compatible. <laughs> Yeah. And looking bad, even if say that he has a negative reaction to it, what do you really have to lose? It's not like um, this is somebody who's already a fixture in your group of friends who's going to go talking about, hey, guess who DM'd me? Guess who sent me an Instagram message after missing the 24 hours where it would have been acceptable for her to message me? (laughs) Just be like, whoops, checked Bumble late. But I think you're cute. Wanted to start up a conversation with you. You can use that word for word if you want. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next question. Wow. That may be the fast. That may be world record speed that we've ever just case closed to a question. Not out, not outside of our retired segment but lightning it's, round. It's That was a retroactive lightning round. I think that <laughs> we can tag it as such having seen how we did. Okay. This one comes from anxious 23-year-old. Is it selfish of me to pursue a career in music? I am 23 years old, playing guitar, and writing songs has always been my passion. And yet, there is so much injustice and so much wrong with the world right now that needs fixing. I feel obligated to do something that is directly helpful to others, i.e. social work or something. Is it selfish to focus on my music? Something deep inside me is urging me to do it, but I can't rationalize it because I don't see how music helps the world or others. So I am just kind of stuck in this in-between, indecisive state. Advice on how I can work through this and get unstuck? Okay. I want to start, anxious 23-year-old, by asking you a question. I want you to think of the music that you've listened to in your life or an art, a favorite artist that has moved you or inspired you. And I want you to think about the impact that they've had on your life or the way that other people talk about music and the impact that it has on them. I think sometimes we apply this distortion to ourselves where we don't think that what we are going to do is going to be meaningful at all. We have this kind of imposter syndrome thing. And then we forget that like, oh, the reason I love music, the reason I'm compelled to do it is because I've seen how much influence it can have, how much it can impact people on a big scale and deeply and stick with them. Mm -hmm. So don't forget about music's power to do that bring to mind how much impact it's had on your life and other people in your life um, and see if that helps you reframe your desire uh, as not selfish at all. Actually, I think identifying what is your gift and your passion um, and then sharing that with the world in a way that's meaningful is the least selfish thing you can do because you're not choosing an easy path. You're not choosing to like walk down la la land lane and have money thrown at you. 
You know, <laughs> you have to work or really like to hard. fill out a form and get a regular check for showing up at a certain place and doing a, a specific set of tasks, like a a regular, you know, like a retail job or like a job at a restaurant or a job at a company. That's like not what you're signing up for on this road. It's it's going to be way more self-directed and uh, confusing and have a lot of moments that feel like a downgrade from what you had just done the day before, the week before. Yeah. Um, and so as far as what you're observing about just like what the world looks like these days and, and how hard it is to feel like, oh my God, what am I doing to make a difference? Like I, that is very real and I totally get that. Um, so to give you a little bit of background on me, I, I, I feel very similar to your position. Like I really, I really understand where you're coming from and and have faced a lot of the same conflicts. So I've always been an artist and I've always been a helper and tried to figure out how to do things that help other people in a meaningful way. So I have a master's in creative uh, arts therapy and I was working towards becoming a therapist and I uh, burnt out and became completely miserable and then moved to Los Angeles and uh, started life coaching. Um, and I'm also uh, a suicide crisis line volunteer. <laughs> and, you know, we do this podcast. We answer people's questions. We we try to help people out in our daily lives, try to be as involved in politics, you know, as, as we can stomach. And I, I have also discovered my passion, rediscovered my passion for music throughout going through this process of healing myself and coaching myself. Um, and it is very hard to marry my deep desire for the world to be a better place and to have a hand in that with my desire to do this thing that I love and have always known that I've loved and, um, I I also had a program that it was very selfish uh, and how, you know, basically how dare I think that I should, that my my voice should be heard and that people should uh, listen to me. And this thing is so showy and ostentatious and performative of, you know, getting on a stage and singing or dancing or whatever. Um, But that's all bullshit. That's someone else not wanting you to shine. Um, Mm -hmm trying to to make you feel like it's wrong just to prevent you from doing it because maybe they couldn't do it. Maybe they didn't have the privilege to go out and do that or no one, no one saw them. No one um, made them feel gifted or special for the talents that they had. I don't know what your personal history is. I don't know what your relationship with your parents is like or the extent to which music was encouraged for you as you were growing up. But all of those things can influence how you view yourself related to your music now as an adult. Um, and I guess the ultimate advice I would have for you is find ways to do both, find ways to make both things meaningful arms of who you are. Yeah. I, I think my advice is no matter what, keep making music even for small periods of time. Um, if you have other priorities momentarily, um, don't treat this as an either or thing or like you have to be, uh, 
whoever you idolize, maybe Carlos Santana, you don't have to be him <laughs> for you to make meaningful contributions for, or for music to be meaningful to you or the people around you. Um, it's a broad field and topic. You can um, try and make radio songs or songs that people play at parties, or you um, can make music for film or games or advertisements, or um, you can make up songs in person for um, children that are uh, disturbed. You know, you can sing a lullaby that's personalized to a kid, makes them laugh when they're having a, a tough moment. Um, not all of these, like that last one, probably not getting paid for. Uh, you could be a street <laughs> musician. You can combine music with uh, magic or comedy or um, lecture. Um, you could be a music therapist. Yeah, you could be a music therapist. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's a big field. And I think it is a necessary, something that people, when Morgan was talking about like uh, ways that music has been impactful to you in your life i think i'm often thinking of like the sad songs that were comforting to hear when yeah. i was sad or going through a rough moment but also the cha-cha slide when you're <laughs> at a big event and everybody yeah. to the left to the left to the right to the right the cupid shuffle um uh, you're 23 so you're probably more of a cupid <laughs> shuffle than cha-cha slide guy <laughs> that's like that's important stuff people like to come together and move together and that creates a feeling of community and that celebration I think is, is important. So even things that are like, um, seen as poppy or commercial, that's, that's all got value too. Just to like something that you can sing that your parents and grandparents can sing along to too. And it's like something that later will help you connect to memories of when you were younger. Um, the nostalgic, like it's a, a key to, uh, locked memories sometimes to hear a certain song and then you're back to that place and that time uh, and the people that you knew then. So uh, music can connect people to previous versions of themselves. It can um, help them recognize feelings that they didn't uh, have access to and it can get people moving and exercising and healthier um, if it compels them to move their bodies. I think these are all solid ways that music helps people. Yeah. Um, one thing that I has always been a part of it for me, um, and continues mm -hmm. to be a part of it for me. And sometimes I think it's helpful to think about it this way because it takes some of the pressure off. Use music as your own personal healing process or your own personal vehicle of self-expression, write things that are meaningful to you in this moment and that help you to, um, express yourself, explain yourself, uh, feel your emotions more deeply, work through them and process them. Um, and, you know, write lyrics that really just nail how something feels for you right now, because then worst case scenario, it has helped you and been beneficial for you and helped you to, um, be a better, more connected, more present, alive person so that you can go about your life, um, understanding people better, helping people better, etc. But my guess is if you make music that you can connect to that deeply and that is that raw and personal. That's the shit that other people will connect to too. But sometimes if you start by just having the idea of like, you know what, I'm just going to do this for myself or I'm just going to sit with my guitar and, 
you know, try to play a melody that I connect with, you're going to stumble into something that is universal more so than if you sit down with it and you go, Oh my God, I've got to write a hit or I've got to, uh, make it commercially accessible or I've got to, um, make money for this. I got to put so much pressure on it to be X, Y, or Z. Um, I think that, that then you end up kind of in a trap where it's not even fun. <laughs> and then it, it, mm-hmm. it rarely is something when you, when you come at it from that energy that can be felt with, by someone else in the energy that, that you want them to feel it. I, this is, I'm, I'm describing all this stuff. So like esoterically, um, but I think some of it for me is just like this question is so close to home that it's almost it's hard to answer because I just see myself so much in it. Whereas a lot of other mm-hmm. questions we get, it's at least initially seems far enough removed because there's a piece of us that we can speak to in any of these questions. But things that seem more far from us, we can more easily maybe pull ourselves out of it and give objective advice. But this is. I mean, this is a tough I've one. I've asked myself this question hundreds of times. Yeah. This year, <laughs> in particularly because I see so much yes. suffering going on in the world. And then I'm just feeling like foolish about picking something like music as a primary pursuit. I, I think uh, an important warning is don't place, don't think that it's your, don't make it your only value or your only contribution as a human because yeah. that puts so much weight on it. And then right. it's like, uh, every time that you make something that you don't like or it's not going the way that you want. Um, You're so identified with it. Oh, I'm a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't wrap your whole sense of um, worth in the music that you're making. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And one exercise that I would recommend for you is to think about what are eight areas in your life that you want to, uh, put your time and energy in, in, uh, and make a, make a meaningful contribution in and it may seem, mm. okay, that's a really high number, but I want you to think really, um, about even things that you may feel like are small or not sort of life calling things, but I want to, um, I want to spread love just through the way that I relate to the people in my immediate environment, mm-hmm. something like that. Like I want to be a proponent of love. I want to be a proponent of harmony I want to, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, I want to model uh, taking good care of myself physically by eating well, you know, any, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And just get get a well-rounded wheel, basically, of, of these, different, these different things that you want to reach out into the world and do in ways that you want to make your mark. Because um, like Rob said, if you try to only do it through music, you're going to drive yourself absolutely nuts and then you're not going to enjoy it. And then what's the point of doing something that you're passionate about and enjoy and wringing it dry. (laughs) Um, Right. It's not selfish to try to do something that you enjoy and, and get pleasure on this earth just because there are a lot of people suffering right now. I have struggled with that idea for years that I don't deserve to have good things because other people don't. Um, and I've just drowned myself in guilt over it. And Mm -hmm. all it does is keep me down. All it does is keep me from having the energy to make meaningful contributions. It it isolates me and makes me feel really alone and shitty. Um, and 
it's easy. It's easy to, it's easy to think that way. Um, but it's important to remind yourself by asking other people that it's not true. It's a distortion. You should be going Mm -hmm. out there and trying to live your best life. Do no harm, of course. And I think it's good on you to be thinking about how is this going to connect to the global, um, society that we live in? How's this going to have an impact? But don't squash yourself preemptively because other people are suffering. That's always going to be the case. Yeah. You can do both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Anxious 23 year old. Uh, I'd love to hear something you're working on. If you feel like emailing us just a half-baked tune a sketch anything like that yeah it's a scary it's a scary thought to do that but please do it yeah come on we'll be nice we won't play it on the air without your consent (laughs) um so thank you uh okay here's one new question this one's from total wipeout eight Ooh. i can't decide a name for my shabunkin fish (laughs) what (laughs) Shabunkin. Can you spell it? Can you spell that? S H U B U N K I N. I think I'm pronouncing. I haven't really heard it said by another person. This is a word that I came across from reading. So, shabunkin. Wow, I'm gonna Google fish. that. I want to know what that fish looks like. Well, you're about to get a description. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I, I'm gonna look at it also. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. We recently oh. bought new fish, and we claimed our fish later that day. Yeah, okay. It's cute. Uh, it's cute. My, my one has an orange head with gray stripes. I'm thinking about Dorito as his name, oh my God. but it doesn't seem to fit. Any ideas? Uh, Excuse me? Doesn't seem to fit? Why? Uh, why? Because a Dorito is dry? He doesn't swim like a Dorito would swim. <laughs> That's such a cute name, but I know what you mean about it not Dorito's fitting. A, Dorito the fish? It's hilarious. Because it's awesome. It's an edible thing, and you don't want the people to think of the fish as like something to to eat. Okay. Maybe they mean right. it just when you look at the fish, it doesn't fit their character. I've had that issue. Orange head. Didn't you hear about the orange head? <laughs> okay, but like, so I have a rabbit, and I gave him a name at one point that I felt fit, that I liked. And then after living with him for a couple days, I was like, this just doesn't work. It's not sticking. So I, I get it. Sometimes it just, you have all the plans in the world and Dorito is like such a hilarious name and you want it to work and it just doesn't. And sometimes you got to accept that, but it is a cute name. Mm. Dory is a famous fish. A famous you know, fish. Finding Dory. Um, yeah, Dory. Tigger? From uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I got it. I got Dorito it. could be like a little Dory and maybe that's... Oh why it doesn't fit because that fish was blue. Um, Tigger is a suggestion I have based on the stripes and the orange. Tigger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Orangina. (laughs) Do we know the gender of the fish? Um, No. Okay. I don't. I'm thinking cheese ball is a good one. Well, I guess if you have the thing against foods, but. What about Zebes? Um, short for zebra because of the stripes. Oh, Zebes. I don't like the way that feels in my mouth. <laughs> How does it feel in your mouth? Fishy? 
I think <laughs> Zeebs, it's, it's too sibilant. It starts with a buzz and ends in one, a hiss. Oh, Yikes. interesting. I like something round for this. Um, Zobs. Shabunkin. <laughs> bunky. Why not um, bunker, bunkster? <laughs> bunkster. <laughs> I don't like bunkster, I'm going to go ahead and say. What about bunk ball? <laughs> you like, you want it to end in ball. Well, it's a, I, I haven't seen the shape of the fish, but I'm imagining it being kind of a sphere. Um, no, it kind, I mean, it kind of looks like a, an extravagant goldfish. Like, it looks like a goldfish swam into an ink spill. How about bungalow? Ooh, that's cute. Thank you. And caught Lolo. Um, that's a cute fish, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. Yeah. But yeah, I would say like be with the fish for a few days. Don't rush it because you got to live with this name for whatever, however long these fish live. Could be a few years, could be six minutes. Um, and just try on different things. Let it let its personality and the thing that it's kind of rituals and the things that it does like sink in and try different things on. Give, give them a name for a day. See how it feels. Um, and then if it doesn't fit, okay, okay, what's next? What else do we think? Um, and do little word associations, like kind of like we were just doing like, okay, you know, Shabunkin. So maybe bunker, <laughs> bunk balls or Bubby. whatever you said, Bubby. Bunk ball. <laughs> um, and just see what sticks and start a list. And then, you know, you can scratch things off that don't work and circle things that do work. And eventually the right name will merge with this fish, but it could take some time. I know it's weird during that time where you're like, it's just kind of this identityless fish, but yeah, but also fish don't really respond to names. So it's more for your <laughs> sake than its sake. Right. What? I'm not ruining somebody's dream here by saying that. No, no, but fish don't, don't come to you when they're called. It's, it's for you to think <laughs> about the fish and for you to yeah. bond with it by differentiating it from other fish by having this name for it. And, um, I recommend something with round, plosive, buh, or puh sounds rather than something with a ka or a hiss. Hmm. Did you, ever, you know that Bobo and Kiki experiment? No, what's that? It just had two shapes. Oh, Two shapes yes. and asked people yes. across cultures which one's Bobo and which one's <laughs> Kiki. And the jagged one is Kiki. Everyone agrees. And <laughs> the round one is Bobo. And that's even reflected in the letters B is two big boobs and Kiki is like a couple of hard dicks, spikes, knives that are shooting out in every direction. Um, and the K. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I just found a picture what? of one of these fish, and its head is all, like, bubbly in a way that looks like it's not supposed to look like that. It looks Its head Ooh. looks like a parakeet. It's real weird. Yeah, I, I had a fish that died of a, a brain tumors like that when I was oh, a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, I wonder if it's that type of fish. What was the fish's name? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I hope my mom has turned this one off by now because I don't know. <laughs> I don't uh, was it George? Was it George Foreman? I don't remember. Was um, it Georgina? <laughs> Georgina was the pool cleaner. Okay. I don't know. How about Slurp? What do you think of that? It was Regina. Slurp? Mm -hmm. I do kind of like that. Okay. You could slurp up the fish. This could be a fish that you let in your mouth sometimes and then spit back into the tank. 
Oh, I just found another picture of a bubbly head one. Oh, this is freaking me out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't tell if it's bad. Can't tell if it's a bad Dorito. I hope that Aww. little little bunky doesn't get brain cancer. Yeah, actually, the more you say Dorito, again, I haven't seen the fish, but I think it's such a cute name. Dorito's a great name, especially if you call him wet Dorito sometimes. <laughs> Soggy Dorito over here. Being, you could complain about him being a soggy Dorito. Does Nacho Ooh, fit? Soggy Dorito. Nacho. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Well, definitely let us know what you end up naming this fish, and please send a picture. Yeah. Yes. I would love that. Free advice. To free advice podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Hasn't That's changed. That's where you can send it. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I think that's the end of our questions today. Yeah. We yeah. did it. Good work. We gave the Number free 68. advice. 68. So that means next week, send in, uh, send in your questions about oral sex for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. would like to personally solicit questions from people that we know for this special occasion of episode 69. Rim job questions are okay also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything that's using your mouth. Downstairs. To- for downstairs, it could even be upstairs. I think. Oh, okay. I think if we're doing a nipple sucking question, yeah, that be fine. definitely counts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just finger and toe. Nothing sucking. above the neck. <laughs> what about ears? Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna stick your tongue, swirl it around someone's uh, ear canal, that's definitely acceptable. I mean, as a question, yeah. we might advise you not to do it. Who knows? Why? Um, What's the I danger? wouldn't like that. So, okay. Mm. So my mom used to plant these like really loud, really wet kisses, like right on top of my ear and it hurt. Oh, it's like a sound effect kiss. Oh my God. It was so loud right on the center of my ear and it would just be like wet and like hot and loud. And so like, I get a little weird about like what wetness around my ear. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying, I think that's, I think it's a form of abuse. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of. It is like a hey kid, so, I'm gonna lick in your so ear. Loud. They were just so loud. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really taking me it's back. Squeaky. Women have all these chemicals on their faces. Mm. Get out of here, chemical but women. As children. Yeah, well as children, you're such a natural, pure thing, and then mm. these old ladies with their sticky chemicals and powders and scented ointments. Covering their skin, they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna taint you. I'm gonna contaminate you, right in the ear." Oof, scary. Right next to your sensitive, where all your sensors are, your taste, smell, and yeah, sight and sound sensors. I'm gonna plant a big bomb of contaminant right there. And you better like it. You better Mm -hmm. not back away. Yuck. So, (laughs) just a slice of my childhood. That's a universal experience. It's very relatable. Thanks. Hey, there's a song there for um, anxious twenty three year old. Yeah. The the unwanted kiss of a child. <laughs> um, or uh, cucumber test. Surprise penis cucumber t- taste test. Sure. That is a hit. It just a rolls less off the universal. tongue. <laughs> a little less relatable for the masses, I think, than being kissed against your will as a child yeah sure sure all right guys get a little bit heavier each verse yeah i'm tired i'm ready to go to sleep go to sleep go 
<laughs> Throw in the towel. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Good night. Morgan, sweet dreams. Thanks. Bye-bye.